1962, the world was headed into a turbulent decade of failed war and social upheaval, where men were no longer men and women were doing crazy things like getting jobs and keeping their maiden names. It was the perfect time for an escapist film series about a homicidal, muscled Scotsman who keeps the world safe from disfigured masterminds. Dr. No was the first in the line of 26 James Bond films, starring the actor all other Bonds would have to live up to, Sean Connery and his pre-Zardoz glory. With beautiful women, flame-throwing tanks, and ruthless murder in the name of empire, this film is the perfect twin billing with pride and prejudice. I'm kidding. They check for Y chromosomes at the box office before letting people in. We're a couple of dudes, former little boys who thrilled to the possibilities of a license to kill, so we thought we'd go back to the film that started it all and see how the original holds up. Mix yourself a vodka martini and shake that bad boy. It's time for episode 82 of Toasting the Classics, Dr. No. Welcome to Toasting the Classics, the podcast where we take something that people call a classic and we drink something inspired by the classic and then decide if it's still a classic. We are 1-0 in the last one because we just pronounced the book, Dr. No, to be a classic. Ian Fleming is uh, happy in his grave because of what Toasting the Classics has done in this last episode. So we are doing a rare back-to-back, and I don't mean back-to-back like in the same day. We would never do that because we drink we, no. we might end up we might end up tipsy if we did things back to back. But back right. to back, back to back thematically because we did Doctor No the book and now we're mm-hmm. doing Doctor No the film. And I want to let everybody know somehow I have managed to not imbibe either of these things in the past. I've not done Doctor No the book and I've never seen Doctor No the film. I don't know how that's possible. My name is Dave MacArthur. My name is Clint Lanier, and you know the word imbibe comes from the French word imbibe. Which uh, stand, which means to soak into. So when you imbibe something, you are soaking it in. By the way, th- you know what? And we never say this. Um, we always joke about five listeners and this and that. I don't know how many listeners we have, but thank you to those who who do listen. Um, I just did a podcast that I will have to tell you about next time because it's not it's not coming out for another four weeks. But I just did a podcast concerning my new book that came out called uh, uh, Ted Mac and America's First. Black you did a, like you did a podcast. You cheated on me and did some other podcast. Well, I was a guest on. I've been a guest oh, on a wow. few podcasts okay. now, but this oh, was this was uh, this is a, a fairly fairly prominent podcast. And that host went out and listened to a couple of our podcasts. Oh, and nice. really liked them. Oh, um, and okay. this this particular guy this this guy is is kind of esoteric himself. But uh, right. yeah, so so a little bit a little bit of love for for our podcast. Well, you know, speaking um, of getting some feedback from the listeners, I want to say this early in the pod, and I always say it in the outro. But send us an email, toastingtheclassics at gmail Let us know what you yes, please. What do you want to hear from us? You know, what do you think of what we're doing? Are you guys having fun listening to the pod? Do you drink when you listen to the pod? Do you not want to? It's fine. You don't have to. I'm curious about how people are taking it in. Do, do you do you listen on a run? Do you listen on a drive? Whatever. And, and although he said you don't have to drink, I think drinking improves the experience, especially if you Definitely. if you listen to it. I can tell you because we have had some birthday parties for children, Clint and I, and Clint is way harder to deal with when you're not drinking. I'm just wanted, <laughs> trying to let everybody know that. So that's true. No, I mean, but that fight with Chuck E. Cheese, it, he deserved it. Doctor, know the film. Doctor, know the film. That's what we're uh, doing this week. Starring, and, according to my notes, someone named Scene Canary. I hadn't heard of this gentleman, but he's very handsome and very muscular. He seems like a movie star. I think he's going to be big one day. <laughs> Maybe one day you will have heard of him. Uh, yeah, right. this is Sean Connery's breakout role. 
Um, had you ever watched? No, 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 no. Sean right. Connery's breakout role was Darby okay. O'Gill and the Little People. That was a, that was in particular a very good movie. I I've don't remember. But when I when I was a little kid, we got cable and we had yeah. the one premium channel, the Disney Channel. My parents paid like an extra ten dollars a month to get the Disney Channel, which I loved them for. Channel mm-hmm. sixty five on the local the local DC uh, cable network, and they played. You would not believe how often they played Darby O'Gill and the Little People. It was like <laughs> that might have been his his first film. I don't know if it I was. Think, I think it is actually his first movie. No, he's in the Longest Day. No, Longest Day is closer to this, right? Longest Day. Yeah. Long, so the Longest Day came out in nineteen sixty two. Oh, 62. Uh, okay. So Darby O'Gill came out in 1959. Longest Day came out in 1962. Okay. This movie came out in 1962 as well. Huh, yeah. How about that? And he was, I mean, he had really a bit part in The Longest Day, which is, I, I will say, certified hood classic, according to Yeah, Justin. that's a great movie. And he has, he has an absolute bit part. But this one was, I, it was his breakout kind of role. I mean, Sean Connery, if you ask anybody, who is more than like 22 years old. I what mean, is Sean Connery known for? And they'll say break, like, James but Bond. Break, yeah, br- exactly. Breakout role. It's like saying Han, Harrison Ford got a little bit of a break playing Han Solo. I mean, it's kind of yeah. an understatement, you know, is that yeah, well, breakout right. role. This is, this is the role. Yeah. This, this is, is the role. Yeah. This is maybe the breakout role of all time. Like, I think so. I think so. We did 48 well, and, and hours. When, we did 48 hours with Eddie Murphy and it was like, that's a breakout role. Harrison yes. Ford in Star Wars is a breakout role. Sean Connery embodying James Bond and creating the James Bond franchise yes. single-handedly yes. is a breakout role. It's, I mean, it just stands aside from anything else that you would call a breakout role. It's a big deal. So there, there have been, I believe, I believe there have been six James Bonds, uh, six people who have played James all right, Bond. All right, in years. let's talk about this. So we've got Sean Connery. We've got... Right. Roger Moore, obviously. Moore, uh-huh. Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, Daniel Craig, and George Lazenby. Is there another one? There you go. No, that's it. That's it. I was, I was wondering if you if you're going to get George Lazenby. I you figured. Did. That's why I saved it for last. I was looking yeah, at I, the look I, on your face. You were you were waiting to be able to tell me yeah. about George Lazenby, and I know so six of them, but they're all compared to Sean Connery. He was the first guy, right? And that's sort of what happens. I always have to have a first, and, and he was that's the first, a, right? But that's a really good point. Because Christopher Reeve stopped playing Superman, other people have played Superman. Nobody ever thinks about Christopher Reeve. I, I mean, think, you're like, you're I like, did you like, did you like Michael Keaton as Batman? Yeah, sure, I did. But I accept, I accept Christian Bale as as Batman. Yeah, he's great. But, but what about one, Adam West? To me, to me, yeah. Well, exactly. Well, there is Adam West is before that, so maybe that's right. a part of it. But to me, like, you're living up to Sean Connery when you play James right. Bond. Right, right. Like, like it's not. It's like if somebody else played Indiana Jones in another movie. It'd be a so long I, time. I guess we can start with a that this is going to be a, basically be a Sean Connery love fest. At least it is for me. I'm a fan. At 31 years old, when he took on this role, he is one of the coolest people ever. I mean, he really is. He just yep. He is so freaking cool. I mean, the guy except between, except apparently he, Terrence Young had to take him out on the town in London and teach him yeah, how to be cool. I in, guess he was kind singing. of a, a bit of a bit of a bumpkin. I don't know if you got into Sean Connery's bio because I actually didn't do it. Is he Irish or Scottish? What's the story? He, oh, he's Scottish. You know, he's Scottish, Scottish, right? Yeah, yeah he's Sean part of the Con- whole uh, Scottish independence movement. But Sean Connery's a very Irish name. Mate, well, I, you know, I think. Am I, am I wrong about we can, that? We can no. I mean, we can we can go back and forth on that. He hails from Scotland. A family legacy in Scotland. 
Uh, he's very much of the uh, independent Scotland movement. He was famous for having a big tattoo when he was like 70. Okay. Okay. So this is, this is very similar to a lot of people in Britain. He is of Irish descent. Right. Okay. But he's from Scotland. He is mostly okay. Scottish. This is a lot like I was actually looking this up the other day because I was thinking Morrissey's Scottish. I'm oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Morrissey is Irish. Irish. Right. Yeah. Grew up in England and is considered mm-hmm. very English and considers himself very English. But his last name is an Irish last name. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that I was like, well, wait a minute. Isn't Ed Sheeran? Isn't he Irish as well? And yeah, he's also of Irish descent, but lived in England because mm-hmm. it's like America. People move around the United Kingdom. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like they go. Well, and they, and, they, so, and they have been for hundreds of years. And, and they have been for hundreds of years, more importantly. Right. Exactly. So he's both, I guess, yeah. is the answer to the question. So, well, he identifies as Scottish. So, you know, there you are. Scottish. Yeah. Uh, but, he, you know, he just exudes something that I don't think any of the others have until Daniel Craig. And we can talk about that. Let's talk about the, the film. Sean Connery okay. has this je ne sais quoi, which is a French phrase that means Clint. I don't know what. To, Clint wants to hook up with him. <laughs> is that so, what it is? Yeah. Maybe yeah I mean, it means Clint yeah. is gay for this person. That's what yeah. it is. Perhaps. Yeah. So. He's on my list. Let's put it that yeah. way. What's the thing where people have a list where... I can't. I think remember. it's a hall pass. I think that's what it's yeah, called. Hall pass. There you um, go. You got a hall pass for Sean Connery. There you go. So, I might. I only have a, a, a small amount of ice, so I am going to make our drink right now. Okay. Uh, let's the, do it. the drink in particular. Can anybody guess? So, if anybody can 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 try to guess what our our drink might be, it happens to be a dry martini. So I'm throwing ice in the shaker. I'm putting about an ounce, eh, ounce and a half. Of Smirnoff vodka, which is very important, and Smirnoff. I'll tell you why in a bit. And the ratio of a dry martini is five to one vodka over dry vermouth, which is the mixer here. And some people would argue that's too much. Uh, Winston Churchill famously said that it should be dusted. That's not the term he used, but barely any dry vermouth at all. So essentially, vodka and ice. And you shake this, because it's shaken, not stirred, as we know, and then you strain it out. It should be garnished with a lemon peel, which they talk about in the movie. And it's really just the essence of the lemon that you want here, uh, which is what the peel has. The peel has all the oil, so you kind of squeeze it over your glass, rub it on the rim, and you can drop it in there, and uh, voila, you have a dry martini. People disagree about how dry, again, it should be. I put about a couple of drops of vermouth in. Um, and what am I putting into it? What are, what are my proportions? Well, I just told our, our lovely audience that um, it's about five to one vodka over vermouth, uh, dry vermouth. Uh, some people actually just coat the lip of it or coat the inside of the glass with vermouth and that's it. Very famously, there's a, a bar. Oh, what's the name of the bar at the Ritz in, in New York? Is it Harry's New York Bar? Whatever there it's is called. a Harry's New York Bar. Well, no. Yeah, I think no, Harry's New York Bar is in Paris, isn't it? Yes, but they have one at the Ritz at the south end of of Central Park. And what they do is they they pour vermouth into the glass, squish it around, dump it out, and then pour the vodka shaken over ice into that glass. And that's as mixed as they get. Okay, They never really talk about it in the films. It's vodka martini, shaken, not stirred. A martini is five to one vodka over over. And where do you land on the controversy about whether or not shaking and stirring actually means anything? So shaken will give you more water. It'll give you a more watered down uh, martini, but it'll also be a lot 
holder. Uh, at that particular bar that I just mentioned, it has like a layer of ice on top of it. Which, they shake which, it. Which, by uh, the way, I could walk to after the show if I, if yeah, I were so. You excited. should. Yeah, you should. That means that you live in a very nice part of New York. I live on the park. Basically, you're talking about something that's on the other side of the park for me. So it would be a, a hail and hearty stroll, but I could take a yeah. stroll down there. I mean, it's, you know, it'd be, that would a be a fun mile, stroll. Two miles, two mile walk, I guess. And then around the corner from that, I will say there's a great bar. What is it called? Jack Dempsey's. Is Dempsey's still there? I don't know. It, it should be to the east around from the Ritz there. By the way, if I'm not in trouble with my wife tonight, I promise I will go ahead and check that bar out. That sounds like okay. fun. I'll, I'll go have a drink there. That sounds like, a, that sounds have, like a good know, mission to go on. A really well-chilled martini should have a thin, super thin layer of ice on the top. It's fantastic. If you are just listening to the podcast, I highly recommend you live you listen to our previous podcast, which was the book, Dr. No by Ian Fleming. And we tried to we tried to really just talk about the book. Now we're going to talk about the film. And obviously in this one, we're going to talk about the differences between the book and the film and kind of use that as a as a springboard to talk about the films generally. Right. Yeah. We're talking about the first James Bond film. Right. So we're talking about not only the difference between the book and the film, but also the mm -hmm. difference between, to me, the differences between this film and the rest of the series and how it sets right. up the rest of the series. So I, there were a lot of things I was thinking about with that. For instance, we open up with the music. It's the real James Bond music, but the opening is weak. And then you get and you get the bass line, which I'm like, okay, the bass line is legit the James mm -hmm. Bond theme. But but the opening music is kind of lame. It's too much horns. Too much horns. Yeah, exactly. Too jazz. Too yeah. much jazz. And I, I think that that was kind of owed to the time. So this this came out oh, in 1962. Yeah. As as David said, it was the first uh, movie. James Bond franchise. How oh. many how many movies have, have there been? You know, off the top of your head. Mm, that is a really good question. So it's like 24? 26. Okay. All Close. Right. Uh, this is the one that kind of started them all. Made in 62. So Ian Fleming was still alive when this was made. He died in 64 at 56 years old, by the way. Which is very yeah, young. he was young. He was young because he drank too much. Well, let he drank be, too much? But he, he died of he died of heart disease. They yeah, did nothing. Well, about, they they didn't know a lot about blood pressure and things like that back then. They didn't understand that a spy probably shouldn't drink four cocktails a day. <laughs> four, four, that, and, that's that's in the morning, by the way. By the way, we didn't mention this in the book, but and we should have. But when he shows up and he meets Cor, uh, Cor we didn't talk about Coral at all. We're gonna have to talk about no, him we a didn't, lot. Yeah, yeah we'll talk version, about Coral, But yeah. when he meets him, he's like, "Oh, I really want you to like help me get into shape." And Coral's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> he has a week to get into shape, and yes, he's drinking yeah. the whole time. And yeah. I'm like, this is not how you get in shape. This is not. This is not one of it's like, <laughs> right? Well, there was a, there, Rocky there was a movies, point, you know. There was a point there where he had like, he was waiting for somebody in the book. He was waiting for somebody for like an hour, and so in that time, he had three like yeah. bourbons on the rocks. Yep. <laughs> like God bless you, you yep. know, for doing that. Fighting um, for his life against Dr. No, and he just keeps pounding cocktails. Yeah. Right, right. Wow, okay. Summary of the movie, it was the same as the film. You've got a situation where an agent goes missing in Jamaica, and uh, James Bond is assigned to go and find out what's going on. First in difference. Mm -hmm. They are not Chigros that kill the, the MI6. They're, 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 they're just they're Jamaicans. actual Jamaicans that make Jamaicans. sense, yeah, so... By the I don't way, his, know if his, I don't his know word, if, not mine. 
<laughs> I don't know if, how many people would recognize what a, a chigro is. Do you want to define yeah, that for them? I don't really want to explain it, but <laughs> well, you, in you the brought book, it up. In the book, they're prominently called chigros, and uh, they're they're just regular African descent Jamaicans in, in this film. Yes. So, so a, a chigro in the book, since you won't say it, I will. Chigro in the book is a Chinese and a black person, but they, he doesn't use the word black. No. He uses another word. Rhymes the with, two words. Rhymes with chigro. <laughs> rhymes with chigro. So there you yeah. go. And and they, they make the whole industry out of out of out of these particular people. There's something missing from the opening to this film that is classic to the James Bond films, especially okay. later on in the series. The cold open, right? You always, and it's right. it's exactly what Indiana Jones does, which is you open up with a com- not completely unrelated to the rest of the storyline, but essentially like an in medias res. James mm-hmm. Bond is in danger doing something, and then it mm-hmm. ends, and then you get the theme, and then we get the main movie. Like Goldeneye is the classic one to me. It opens mm-hmm. up and he's got that that uh, where he's going after the dam with all the Russians that he fights right. and he jumps off and then it and then it goes da 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 and you see the the shot at the and this just opens up with the dra- the jazz music and then the guy at the end of the tunnel shooting at the camera right and the mm-hmm. blood comes down and then it's mm-hmm. just James Bond being James Bond doing James James Bond stuff well, you know? sort of sort of but but they open with the what has become the classic opening. For a James Bond film, so James okay. Bond they they open with uh, this really fancy gambling club in London. Can't remember what it's called. It's a French name. The camera sort of pans through this club until it rests on uh, a table, which is they're playing baccarat, but it's all in French. Uh, La banque, and you see this hot chick by certain standards. Offensive language. Yes. You see this particular woman. You see this. Man. You see this physically. Yeah. Uh, the standards of beauty that most people apply to people uh-huh. that identify as female, right? Yes, apply yes. to this woman. And in an, in another movie, she would have been called uh, Lada Fachina. Yes. Um, is this, this is it? Pussy Galore that opens the movie? It's not Pussy Galore. It's something trench. I can't remember her name. Oh, um, you're right. You're right. I think I wrote it down. It was ridiculous. It was the first ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't write it down, but I was definitely thinking about it. It was like Sylvia Trench or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it was it bad. Was... It's bad. It's not as bad as <laughs> Honey Child Rider, but, Honey or, Child Rider. Or, or Pussy Galore, but it's right. pretty bad. It's pretty, pretty bad. bad name. So uh, anyway, so there's this card game going on, and uh, it's obvious that the woman is getting annoyed because she keeps losing, and they don't they they refuse to show the face of the person that she's playing against in Baccarat. Everybody's gathered around him because it's a high stakes game. There's a lot of suspense going on. Have you ever played Baccarat, by the way? I have. Yeah, I have in, in the casino. Yeah, I played it in the casino one time just because of James Bond. And it's pretty much like blackjack. You just have to you take a card and you have to end up on the highest number you possibly can as your second right. digit. So in other words, you want to end up with a nine. Nine is the winning. Uh, Baccarat and then like two of the games there, they have higher stakes. And like blackjack, yeah. so blackjack might be twenty bucks, say at the Bellagio. Baccarat will be like forty or fifty a hand because it takes longer. I mean, the, the the game actually takes longer than the others because you'll push, you'll tie, and you do that quite frequently because you have to you have to win by a certain amount or something. I mean, there's various yeah. rules to it. I think it's and, kind of ridiculous how they set up and and they deal with this in Casino Royale, but. It's ridiculous how they set up James Bond as being this badass because he plays yeah. for such high stakes. And I'm like, 
he's not paying for that from his yeah. salary. <laughs> like he's not well, that much. He he, he would have made and in casino by royale, standard in yeah, the Daniel Craig Casino Royale, they do it that they're like, you know, the British the British taxpayers are paying for you to drop mm -hmm. a million pounds on this hand. Yeah, so he has to find sponsors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, definitely upset about that. But 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 that that scene leads to one of the most famous lines in any movie ever in the okay. history of, of cinema, which is, uh, do you mind if we raise the stakes, Mr. And it, then it finally pans to this guy wearing the sleekest tuxedo in the entire world. Right. And he doesn't answer her right away. Instead, he puts a cigarette in his mouth. And he lights a cigarette and he tells her with a sneer, Bond, James Bond. Yep. You know, in other words, you know, I'll get to you when I want. Instead, I'm going to do something I want to do. And oh, by the way, here's my name. Use his real name, as you mentioned, it's kind of stupid. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a right. spy, and here's my name. He, Bond, you know, James Bond, working James for Bond. I six and spying yeah. on. Oh, I yeah. shouldn't have said and that he, out loud. Here's here's my my you know, here's my number. And here's my address if you ever want to come by, which she does. I think that was voted the number one line of any movie by British UK film industry, which doesn't surprise you, right? Yeah, well, that's fine. but it's but but it's also well, but it's also like the top fifty lines in the U.S. too. You know, Bond, top James fifty, Bond. top fifty. But you're telling me Bond, James Bond beats out May the Force Be With You? Come on, that's ridiculous. Well, I didn't say it was a top one. You know, no. but but even in America, you know, and how many people have spoofed that? You know, Bond, James Bond. I mean, right. In any case, uh, that's the opening to this, and then it introduces you to this guy, and the dude's cool. I mean, he just exudes no, very cool. Sean Connery very cool. doing that. He just exudes cool. There's, I don't know, Sean Connery has this kind of menace about him, like in his face, a bit of a sneer, a bit of like, I don't, you know, I'm you not some. I'm not happy-go-lucky dude. Do you know the yeah. word insouciant? No, I don't. I'm not familiar with that. It's I'm like not learning being, enough. It's like being Fonzie. You know, it's like like not given a you know what. Like that. Oh. There's like there's yeah. like there's a there's just a cool to the guy where he's just. How do you spell like that? that? Is that with a Z? I n s o u c i a n c. Sorry, CE, that's in Sue since the quality of being in Sue since, but yeah, write us yeah, an email. Let me know if I got that right. <laughs> not sure. Yeah. So, so there is that about him, but there's also a cruelness to him that, that just, yeah, there is, you know, there is none of the, Definitely. none of the others. That was the, that was the problem that I always had with Pierce Brosnan. He didn't have, so he didn't, he wasn't cruel enough. Pierce Brosnan is a very pretty man. No, literally my only problem with Pierce Brosnan is he's too skinny. He's skinny. He has big hair. Right. Yeah, he has he's big, big hair. hair. He's too and, skinny. But and, I, but I actually think Pierce Brosnan seemed like the kind of guy that would maybe kill you and not care. He seemed like I don't know. He, he's just like he's a, just, like a, he's just he's too he's too nice for it. Now Timothy Dalton is the other side. He's too he looks too cruel for it. Right. I, I actually thought Timothy Dalton was a good Bond. I thought he got a I, like a bad. I got thought he got a bad shake because he's in two bad movies. He's in two yeah, bad it's, it's terrible movies. But um, like for for me, like those two were at the at the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. The rest of them kind of fall in the middle somewhere. I thought Sean Connery, George Lazenby, believe it or not, were were sort of the in the middle somewhere. And I thought that Sean Connery was more towards the cruel end. Like he was, he was pretty, but not too pretty. He was more masculine, rugged, 
And yeah, no, he's not. Yeah, but not not as much as Tim Dalton, <laughs> and and not pretty. And then George Lazenby is like the everyman guy, and then Daniel Craig. I don't know where Daniel Craig falls in it, but That's but to me, like to me, Tim Dalton and Chris Brosnan were at the opposite ends of the spectrum, pretty and and cruel. And then the other guys kind of fell in the middle. Have somewhere. you ever seen the movie Zardoz? Zardoz. Oh no, I don't think I have. It's it's Sean Connery, and he he lives in this future where there's two types of people. <laughs> I've seen I've seen stills from this. Is this where he's okay, wearing okay. chrome? He's wearing chrome, right? I don't know. He's, if he's like wearing, wearing like chrome like suspenders and like weird. No, clothes. I don't know. Some memory. I might be mixing up his outfit when he's playing Ramirez in Highlander with what he looks like in Zardoz. <laughs> <laughs> he's supposed to be like the epitome of animal masculinity and it's just he's getting a little long in the tooth to be that but you know it's like you could see why they chose Ch sean connery for the role but anyway so yes yeah, so, no, that, that, that's it he's got red suspender g-string with yeah, with hip high yeah. with yeah. hip high boots right. yeah there you go. yeah <laughs> it wasn't chrome sorry it was no no red chrome, yeah. he looks Everybody needs to go out and just Google that image. Yes, Zardoz, Google him and Zardoz. 1974. This is the height of 1974 with hip high boots, a G string, a red G string with suspenders, cross suspenders. Anyway, so how's, so, how's Dr. No the film different from Dr. No the book? Oh, God. Uh, how do I count the ways? I mean, we all so, know Sean Connery is Bond. I mean, I think we uh, can belabor it, but he's, he's, he's the Bond. I mean, he's great. He is Bond. And yeah, he's, he's in he's Dr. Bond. No. Goldfinger mm -hmm. from Russia with love. Help me out here. He's in Thunderball. Thunderball. Right? Uh, I think you, you only lived. You, you only lived twice. Yeah. Okay. And never say and never again. Never say never again, which was a remake. Yeah. That's actually right. ten years after Zardoz, if you can yes. imagine. That's in '83, yeah. I think. Yeah, he was talking about long in the tooth. He was Bond for quite a while. Uh, Roger Moore took over. Right. Roger Moore. The Lazenby's uh, in between, right? Lazenby's in between in Her Majesty. Uh, Her Majesty's Secret Service. Okay. Um, and he was supposed to be the Bond. He messed up <laughs> a lot of personal issues and messed up. Well, he was Australian. Well, right. So, but he was good. I mean, he, that he was really good in that movie. Yeah, I think he's a pretty and good Bond. Actually, he would have been a good Bond, but personally, his personal life kind of exploded afterwards. Okay. And with the fame and stuff, and so they were like, "Okay, never mind. Let's." He's a wreck. Let's get somebody else. So they got Roger Moore, who would have been fine, but the writing for it became much more tongue-in-cheek. So know, he minor, became... minor big surprise for me with reading the book, Dr. No, is I looked at the list of books that came out before, and I, I would have never guessed that Moonraker yes. came before right. Dr. No. In right, the yeah. Because to yeah. me, Moonraker is the epitome of cheesy James Bond movie. Nineteen seventies. Right? Yeah. I actually, I actually really liked that movie when I was a kid. Yeah. But that is a corny movie, and yes. I figured that's got to yes. be. They must have written that in the seventies, right? right? That's so. That has seventies, but it's not. It was that was written in the fifties. It's weird. So did 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 from Russia with Love? Did that come out before Doctor No? I can't remember. What are you talking? Book or film? Yeah, book. It's the it's the immediate one that precedes. Doctor No, the book. It's the fifth. Precedes or proceeds? Precedes. Okay. So and that and that that was the, the next Russia movie. Russia with Love is the fifth novel. Okay, so that was the movie after Doctor No. Right. With with this movie, kind of like what we did with the the book Doctor No, we're sort of analyzing the movies of of James Bond, not yeah, just a bit. this movie. A little bit. A little bit. Um, yeah. 
So for although the book, I have, although I have to say, I was in a position where I had to use Doctor No the book uh-huh. to judge the whole series because I've never read any of the other books. Yeah, I've yeah. seen I've seen most of the Bond movies. I'm probably missing a couple, but I have seen quite a few of these. So well, never... you know, and it's unlike you know, unlike the book. So the book did evolve, or I'm sorry, did not evolve. The movies did. So definitely, which they have to do anyway. I mean, you know, they made. The books between 52 and he died in 64 he died fairly young there's a couple of books made posthumously and then there were you know uh writers hired afterwards to write in the same style um but for Uh, the most part the movies because the movies take longer to make it sort of they sort of evolved with the times this is an interesting question right here let's see what you can do with this and don't look don't look at don't cheat okay okay if if you're adjusting to modern money, mm-hmm. right? What would okay. you say was the biggest James Bond film in terms of earnings? Okay, well, I'm not going to cheat, but I know that Doctor No, they only spent a million bucks. Well, a million. Oh, pounds. I don't mean what? profit. I'm not talking profit. I'm talking how much money it earned at the at the box. Yeah, in at terms the box of box office. I, in terms of profit, I think Doctor No is a smash hit. How but, much did it earn? I would say one of Daniel Craig's. I'd say maybe um, Casino Royale. Perhaps, or I can't remember the name of the ones after uh, something fall. According to two, uh, if adjusted to two thousand five dollars in earnings, Skyfall. Uh-huh. Skyfall, that was the one. Yeah, number that one, was one Bond yeah, movie of all time. And by the way, that's the correct answer because that's probably the best Bond movie. I would, I would say Skyfall is yeah. the best Bond film. But that's a good movie. Sean, in really terms of movie. Sean Connery's movies, uh-huh. it's a weird answer. It's okay. Thunderball. Oh, sorry. Okay. sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to ruin it for you. But so Thunder- it is Thunderball. Okay, I'm not Thunderball. even sure. I, I know Thunderball has sharks in it, but I don't yes. know if I've ever seen Thunderball. And Thunderball was remade. Isn't Never Say yes. Never Again a remake of Thunderball? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thunderball so, has a weird history. So okay. So Salzman and Broccoli, those are the producers um, who bought the rights for uh, for all of James Bond's all of the, the the rights for James Bond from Ian Fleming right. for 50,000 pounds. Yeah. And they still make money off. Can it you today. imagine? Yeah. That's oh a good my deal. God. Yeah. That's a great deal. But there was one movie. Okay. And that was a movie that was, it was Thunderball. And so uh-huh. what happened was Ian Fleming decided that they were going to make this move. They're going to make a movie out of James Bond. And so they wanted an original movie. And so he made this movie Thunderball with another writer i can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head but it, this is like in the the 50s uh they never made the movie but fleming said i'm gonna go ahead and make the book based on my script so the other writer because fleming was not a script writer so or a screenwriter rather so he hired somebody you know to help him that guy sued fleming because he said hey you know you can't use what i helped write for one of your books so they settled. Fleming said, I will get all the credits for a book. You get all the credits for a movie if you want. And he he must have done that thinking that would never happen. Like they would never uh-huh. make a movie out of it. Well, that guy hung on to, to it. So it, it's kind of like, imagine if Harry Potter, like all the Harry Potter books, but one was owned by J.K. Rowling. And that yeah. one book, you know, and they made the movie all the movies 
but one movie <laughs> would would not be made by them. It would be made by another studio, by another you know set of writers, everything else. That's sort of what happened with Thunderball. Okay. So it, it was part of the canon. Um, it was part of the universe, and it was part of sequentially in the books. It was part of the part of that, uh, but it was owned and it was made by somebody else. So that's why. So that's, like, so that's why you could remake it. That's why you can remake it because the people who own Thunderball they remade it. Is the exact same movie, but it was Never Say Never Again, uh, like '84 or something like that. No, Never Say Never Again. Well, Thunderball oh, was okay. I thought I liked Never Say Never. I don't remember it, but I, I, I remember well, liking it. He but... was he was wearing a hairpiece. I mean, it was that bad. Ah, well, Sean Connery was. I think Sean Connery went bald prematurely. One of those guys that just just sort of happened to his body and his, yeah. and his yeah, skull yeah. cap kind of never kept track with of each other. To get back to this particular film, yeah. What other things did you notice that were changed? So one thing I noticed that was changed from the film, I'm sorry, from the book to the film, was the secretary. There were two people that get murdered at the beginning of the book: the the right. diplomat and the secretary. Strange ways, and, yeah. And the whole thing is everybody's like, "Oh, he must have run off with her because she was this real dish." And then they yeah. show the in the film they show the secretary and she's like an old lady. And I'm like, what? And then everybody's like, oh, we probably ran off with her. She's a real babe. I'm like, I'm sorry. Is this a 1962 thing? Because there was an old lady playing this part. I don't really understand what's going on here. Like, I'm not, exactly. I'm right. not buying this. Yeah, I, don't I do. He, yeah. I don't think he ran off with Maud from like accounting. It doesn't seem. It doesn't seem. Well, and, and then the, the uh, Professor Dent in the movie actually makes uh -huh. a reference to that. He's like, well, you know, his, his secretary is a real dish. They did a thing where they had it so it was going to dazzle the and I can't topple they topple the rockets with interference in order so that Dr. No had like a motive and it doesn't really mm -hmm. appear in the book. Dr. No has a motive. He's going to topple the rockets and then and then hold people ransom, essentially get money to not topple the rockets. And, you know, and that seemed that that kind of makes sense. OK, fair right. enough. And I thought it was just they involved Cape Canaveral and stuff like that. I thought it was just sort of to make the movie more plausible to Americans. But one of the clever things they did in the script was there's a launch that's going to happen right. in, in, 20, right. in 12 hours, which gives a clock when James Bond lands on Crab mm -hmm. Key. He's got a clock where he has to beat the clock to get to this thing. And I'm like, that's perfect right. screenwriting. That's like yeah. screenwriting 101. You need a yeah. clock. Everybody's got yeah. to be. You can't just be like milling around and like. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll we'll get to dealing with these rockets when we get to dealing with these rockets. Yeah, you right, need right. things are going to blow up if you don't deal with it by a certain yeah. time because you you have to have that in a film. I think a lesson for anybody who's interested in how to write a movie, like that's what yeah. you need to do. So the photographer lady was the only one I thought that actually looked like she was part Asian. You mean you mean part Asian, not just Asian. Part part Asian, part Asian because there's I a see, definitely I, I would I would yeah. say and Ursula Andress notwithstanding Best looking woman in this movie uh -huh. is the one that lives in the bungalow in the mountains that he goes up Miss, there with. Miss Taro, I think. I don't remember what her name was. Is that what it was, Miss Taro? Yeah, I think so. Taro, yeah. Hands down, that's the one that would she's, get. Me. Yeah, she's. That she's was a bit. That was the honeypot. I'd be in trouble. Like <laughs> Ursula Andrews, I'd be like, whatever. I've seen a blonde. That's you know, yeah. that doesn't. But but the girl in the bungalow would be. That'd be the danger for me. I'd, I'd have to watch out for that. So so. Speaking of the girl in the bungalow, that brings us to the controversial scene okay. in this movie. Okay. Okay. Which one? When he kills Professor Dent. 
yeah, it's a murder. It's a murder. That is a sure. murder. Yeah. yeah. What is he, he, going on there? I wrote that down. I said killing the professor was a bit murdery. And by the yes. way, I took, so, I took so, a noun. I took a noun and added murdery. A yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you didn't put a G in it. Murdery. No, I didn't say murdering. <laughs> I did say murdering. So, so I, I thought so for the for those for those who, who haven't seen the movie, yeah. it's a it's a it's a great scene. Uh, so James Bond has set himself up to be in this kind of house alone with the the enemy coming to attack him and he and he knows it so he set himself up and so he's waiting for them kind of an, as an ambush and you see him in this dark room the door opens and this hand with a gun you know juts out of the door and you hear the the thwip of a a gun with a silencer on it put 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 and it shoots whatever's in the bed which we all know because we've been watching the movie was nothing but a collection of pillows made into the shape of a person. And so he flip, 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 he shoots it, you know, and he, he empties like five or oh, five. Yeah. It's important. He empties five rounds into the bed. And then right. James Bond closes, closes the door and tells the, the guy to drop it. Cause he's been waiting in ambush the whole time. So the guy drops it, drops his gun rather sits on the bed and James Bond interrogates him. The enemy, you know, grabs his gun and and tries to kill James Bond and goes click. Bond looks at him casually and cruelly. And I mean, this is and this is why I love this movie so much. He looks at him casually and cruelly, and he says, "That's a Smith and Wesson, and you've had and your you've six. had your five, yeah, or you've had your five or whatever." I think and he does he, say it, six. It, yeah, and, and he in the meantime is holding his Beretta, which was issued to him by M. With a silencer on it. No, 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 no. Not the Beretta. It's the... It's the, it's the Walter. Walter, yeah. So he's yeah. holding his Walter PPK, silencer on it, and he's like, that's a Smith & Wesson, and you've and you've had your five. And what a great line. And then, yeah. flap. And he, and he shoots the guy. The guy falls over, okay? Yeah. Dead, supposedly. And then what does he do? Unarmed. Unarmed. And then what does he do? Shoots him again. Shoots him again. Yeah, that's... <laughs> flap. So and I that, think that, talk, that I think became we, that that became a, a very controversial part of this movie. They're like, oh my god, he just killed this guy in cold blood. Right. Not right. only did he kill him, but then he shot him again after he killed him. <laughs> so like, I, I had this, I had this conversation with my dad not too long ago because my dad wow. introduced me. My dad introduced me to the Bond movies when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And I remember him telling me, oh he. He says Bond, James Bond, and this is how he walks, and this is how he talks, and he's really cool. And he has a 007 designation, which is a license to kill. Kill, yes. Right? And, like, I remember my dad telling me these facts, and I'm, like, seven, six, seven years old, and I remember being, like, license to kill. You can kill people? No, I was, like, no, I was, like, awesome. What? Why did I think that was cool? (laughs) Right? I didn't want to... I'd never punched anybody in the face in my life. <laughs> yeah. Why did I think it was cool to be able to kill somebody and have a right. license to do it? But it sounded so cool. And what is the matter with little boys that that sounded cool to me? Like, well, no, no, really was- what I thought, what I thought when I was a little kid, I thought you literally had a license. Yes. Like you have a license. Yes, okay? yes I did too. And you could go anywhere in the world and right. kill people. <laughs> Why did you like, think that was yeah, cool though? You know, and it, but, but like you could be in, Japan and kill somebody. Yeah. 
and be like, no, 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 no. no the, cops would show, the cops would show up and be like, I, no, no, no. I have, no, a, no. License, I have a license to kill. Yeah. You know, see, yeah. So, oh, well, okay. On, on your way. Exactly. You know? exactly. <laughs> it's like, I had the exact you know? same thought. And I remember thinking, I was telling my dad about this and he was laughing so hard because he had no idea. He was telling me about this as a little kid. And I was like, what, what would you I, expect, I what, right? What kind of psychopath was I as a six-year-old? That's like, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but that makes, you know, you said psychopath. That makes, this is the part that makes, that separates James Bond from any normal person. Right. I think, I think from then on, for me, like that's something that a psychopath would do. You know, he, he could he could not kill the guy because the scene right before this part, he takes the girl and he puts her in the cab with the chief of police. And he says, uh-huh. Booker, Booker downtown. Right. So they put her in jail because she's right. a spy. OK. And she spits at him and she spits at him and he r- wipes it off. And he's like, whatever. Which if I had a license to kill. And- if I've got, if there's, a I would have just killed kill, him, right? Yeah, yeah. License I mean, to kill in Dave McArthur's name. Don't spit on me, because that's it. That's what can you I'm imagine? Home, can you imagine that. Homer Simpson with a license? He would have just killed everybody. That's when I'm <laughs> taking like, that. That's when I'm yeah, taking yeah, my license right. for a spin. Right, but, right. But yeah. If I, yeah. if somebody spits on my face, that's it. Well, Forget that, about it. The license is coming out. Right. The cops would come after you and they'd be like, "Why did you shoot this woman in the face?" And you'd be like, "Listen, listen, she spit on my face." And I have a license to kill. And that would probably be enough. Any reasonable yeah. cop. Oh, enough. well, geez. But okay. If it, but if it wasn't enough, then you pull out your piece of plastic. <laughs> right. 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 Because it would be hard plastic. Only but, the British my, government has access to lamination technology. So of course. Yeah. But my point is he sent the girl off who tried to kill him twice. Who is it controversial with? I mean, I had this. I had the same thought. Like I said, killing the professor was a bit murdery. I wrote that in my notes. What? Right. What was it controversial with? What do you thought you you read that somewhere? People were talking about that. Yeah, no, no, critics with film critics. Oh, I mean, okay. they 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 judged it as as like cruel and barbarian, and it was, you know, at the time it was terrible. I don't know now it it, it almost seems like. Um, well, do you remember the opening of Casino Royale? The cold opening of Casino Royale. Yes. Where yes. And now and I was I was he's thinking of that. He was he's in the office with the guy, and the guy's yes. like, you know. Your second kill is a lot less is a lot less upsetting, and he's like, dish, dish. no, yes. no, he doesn't. He doesn't. That's exactly what <laughs> like, I was thinking of because he, the guy, the guy, the guy does not finish the sentence. No, he's like, you know, they say the second kill is less, and then he shoots him. Yeah, yeah, he, he doesn't finish the sentence, and he's like, that's yes, consider- that was the moment. I mean, there's something about this. There's something homicidal but about see, this. But see, but because, but see, because when that, when he did when he does that in Casino Royale, and he's like, "Yes, considerably," I'm in. Yes. I'm like I'm like that's. But James see, Bond. the thing that's is, James- Roger Moore wouldn't have done that. No, no way. What? Uh, Pierce, Pierce Brosnan definitely wouldn't have done that. Timothy Dalton might I, have. Timothy, but, but see, Timothy the thing Dalton is, Timothy Dalton would have would have done it to the guy's children. And that, that's that's a thing about <laughs> Timothy Dalton. He was he was so cruel, you know, Whoa. looking, you know. Yeah, he looked a little, and, and, looked a little and, feral. And so, yeah. but they but they set the stage with James Bond as this guy. Yeah, that was not in the book. Okay, no, they not made at that all. they made all that part up. But so, the director and the writers and the producers said this is going to be James, James Bond, Bond is going to be this guy. He's so going to be a Bond- guy. That kills this dude. Of the week. He didn't. And I think this him. is actually spot on. It's not really that overwrought, but the willingness to sleep with strange women 
at the drop of a hat and to kill yeah. men at the drop of a hat. Right. And then at the same time to be like wearing a tuxedo and to speak 10 languages and stuff, it's embracing both the impulse to reject civilization and just all these, all these things that hold you back and keep your id in check and keep you from mm. being like a maniac that can kill. And, and, and at the same time, you're also this incredibly sophisticated person. It's like those two impulses, like embodied in one character. And that's right. what, that's what people, that's what men, mm. I think, there's not a lot of female fans of James Bond, let's be right. honest. But a lot of men are watching, they're like, oh, if I just, oh, if there just weren't all these things holding me back. If only I had a license to kill. Yeah, <laughs> the thing, right, right. The right. only thing keeping right. me from killing is the lack of a license. It's, right. it's at the same time, like an acknowledgement of the animal in us, but also that saying that civilization is what's important. The only reason I don't kill, if I had a license, I could kill people. I don't have a license. That's right. very British. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill anyone. I'm not a licensed killer. With that though, as you mentioned in the book, he didn't want to. Like there's a there's a part where No, he's like, totally different like, in the book. Like, totally like different the, in the book. Like the, the bad guys are coming down the trail and he, he opens up on them and he kills all of them. And then he tells he tells the, the girl, I didn't want to do it. You know, I hate doing it or something like right. that. You know, I'm very sorry, but I'm gonna have to kill these guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I love no. that. James you know, Bond the, in the film. James Bond in the film is like his attitude would be, "Watch this, I'm going to kill these guys," and, that, and then and then you're going to want to have sex right, right. with me. Hold know, my like, beer, yeah. Hold my hold, hold my beer. Martini. Like murder. Hold my martini. But like yeah. indiscriminately yeah. murder all these poor natives. You know, yeah, yeah, no, yeah exactly. You know, you know what? It's a lot like. So we've talked about the Indiana Jones connection, and I'm going to kind of drop it after this. But yeah. the moment, and it's everybody's favorite moment in Raiders, when that guy comes after him with the big sword. And he's swinging the great. He just shoots him, yeah. And then he's just like, it shoots him. That is a James Bond moment, and I know it it was improvised. It was improvised by Harrison Ford, but it's 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 that devil may care about killing somebody. That's just, but in that case, at least it's a guy that wants to kill you. It kind of makes sense, you know. But it's the it's the lack of chivalry about killing someone. Uh, I'm just going to kill this guy. This guy's an well, I, I think I think we he, we've he has a sword. It's not really fair that I have a gun, but he wants to kill me, so I'm just going to put a bullet in him. I think we, we've sort of come to a zenith on that with uh, the John Wick stuff. It's just an orgy of killing. And I've seen it. I enjoy John Wick. If if you anybody's ever seen it, um, it's like they call it gun foo. They um, call it gun foo, but John Wick. The thing you have to remember about the John Wick movies is that the wink that the John Wick movies are giving to you at mm-hmm. the very beginning is his motivation for killing is the most ridiculous motivation for yes killing. well you, and it, you and steal it, my it is, you steal my car and kill my dog and then yeah, we will fully, we will have fully a tongue-in-cheek it's fully yes. tongue-in-cheek and it's the same thing we're talking about it's like why do you kill people you know like what what these movies are ridiculous yes the yes, idea that you're killing yeah, people is a ridiculous thing yes. you know that fascinates the male the male psyche well we're talking about the movie right but so that allows us to talk about uh, sort of all the movies so do we become a little bit more sophisticated so you know by the time we get to daniel craig they're very nuanced and you know he's not killing everybody just to kill them although he kills them fairly wantonly those people that deserve it we don't really have much of a motivation for his killing he's a killer we don't really get much of a sense of why is this guy 
how has this guy ended up being a killer for the British Secret Service? Like what? We don't get a backstory. But, no. but they, they talk many times. I mean, like in the most recent movies, they, they mentioned many times that he's like a blunt instrument. Right. You know? But why um, is he a blunt instrument? I'm saying, why, why is this guy who grew up apparently on some manor estate in Northern England, mm. why is he a murderer? Like, what, mm. how did that end up happening? What, why does yeah, he, hate no, why does he have such low morals that he goes around murdering people at the drop of a hat? Like, it's weird, you know? Well, he's wouldn't like, you? <laughs> I don't know. Well, apparently, when I was six years old, if you gave me a license to kill, I would have right, been right. Exactly. Cutting, cutting but you have to have, you have, to have a license, though. You have to have only your, if I had a license. I'm not crazy with your picture on it in your name. But if I had a license, yeah. right? Right. Eyes, eyes blue, hair blonde, license <laughs> to kill. Then, I, then, I'm, then I, apparently, that, I would have been down. Copper, in the book, maybe. James Bond is almost killed by a centipede. In the film, he is almost killed by. A tarantula. Do you know why that why that happened? Why they made that well, change? Well, yeah. So you can't do a. No, there's a there's film. a historical there's a historical reason. Okay, why? In 1962, and this was a big problem for the film industry. There was a strike among the centipede wranglers in Hollywood. Shut the hell up! <laughs> Shut up! Yeah, <laughs> shut up! You know, it was a lot of the great centipede wrangler strike of 1960. You really (laughs) shut down a lot of tropical uh, espionage movies. So, yeah, it's a lot easier to do one tarantula. In the book, there's like 30 tarantulas. You know, there's like one tarantula. Where are there? There are tarantulas in the book, but where does that happen? It's a. It's he has to go through a box, right? He's to reach. Yeah, he has to go go through a tarantula box. Yeah. I mean, the reality is tarantulas are not particularly terrifying they're creepy yeah, i have to admit a tarantula is a pretty disgusting creature but they're not particularly dangerous like right you can pick, well, up, you can pick up a tarantula it's not, it's not yeah a i mean they're big spiders but it's not really a tarantula for my honeymoon because i'm a crazy person we wow. went to the amazon my wife and i to, to manaus brazil and then we went out wow. into the amazon to do like a backcountry camping trip kind of thing and we went on this canoe this canoe ride at night and we're using uh-huh. like a light to shine around the jungle and we see caiman, yeah. this huge poisonous snake way up in a tree and all kinds of things. And we go under this log in our in our dugout canoe. And I look up mm-hmm. and there's a hole in the in the log over my head. And half hanging out of the lo- of the hole in this log is the biggest tarantula I have ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. I like meant I academically know that a tarantula is not a particularly dangerous thing. But I remember right. thinking, if that animal drops out of that hole into this boat, I'm going in the water. I'm not sitting in a canoe with a with a tarantula. It's a foot. It's a foot wide. I'm not like, like I cannot Regina, imagine you know, a terrifying creature. So, so Regina and I were in Australia for the first time, and we were okay. in Brisbane, Brisbane, Australia, and uh, we're walking down the street, and at night we're uh, going towards sort of the party district of of. Uh, of brisbane there's and, a surprise um, there's a yeah, surprise i know right we we hear this 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 like chattering like bats but it's it's freaking loud and i see this this thing fly in front of a billboard and i was like and i told regina i was like oh yeah there's giant bats here oh one of those fruit bats right yeah the fruit bats yeah, 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 and, yeah. and she's like and she had no idea but she she didn't do any research she didn't do research on brisbane before we got got there okay so we're walking in the street and we we are walking under like a bus canopy, you know, 
okay. like the bus canopies that they they typically have in like in Europe and stuff. They have them in Australia too. So it's a, it has a except in Australia, of, there's a bunch of fruit bats roosting on the top of the yeah, exactly. So there's <laughs> overhang. So we're walking through yeah. it, and, and we hear this squeaking, and and I'm I'm jiding her. I'm like, oh, you hear those fruit bats? And she's like, shut up, shut up. And so we walk underneath this canopy. We hear this really loud squeak, and we look up. Both of us look up, and there's this flying fox, man, like three feet above us, head down to look straight at us, and she's like. She takes she was off. like, nope. Yeah, nope. she's like, I'm done. Nope. This is a big question that I should ask. Yeah. What do you think of yeah. Ursula Andress? I think she is a terrible actress. She's and, horrible. Uh, horrible. Yeah, and horrible. Uh, quite pretty. You know? They had to play down the whole Tarzan girl thing because she was just so bad at acting. There was all this stuff. Like, the Honey Child Rider character has some interesting aspects to it, but like, Ursula Andress was such a bad actress. I think they had to just completely play it down. She starts out as a strong character, which would uh-huh. make some people happy, but then ends up being, you know, a helpless person. She's a much more interesting, like strong female character in the book. I thought she's just kind of a bimbo in the movie. Like she's not particularly interesting. I didn't think, you know, she kind of like fights on her own and escape. Like for instance, she does kind of the Princess Leia. She's the one who escapes on her own. Like she doesn't need James Bond to free her in the book. Like she busts out on her own and runs into him. And in the movie, <laughs> does he? Well, even... sort of, but because yeah, of them, I don't. A couple of tips for secret agents. First of all, mm-hmm. don't announce your name on the mission. Second of all, don't drink all the time while you're on the mission. <laughs> Third, when you're sneaking onto a an island, right, like a like a covert island, and you don't want to be shot by machine guns, don't wear a bright red shirt or a bright blue shirt. <laughs> I feel like I feel like what you should wear is like camouflage colors of some kind. Right, I like and that. In the spirit of giving basic advice to people, if you're writing a movie and you have a fight scene, let's say you have to have a confrontation between the villain and the hero at the end, and a fight. Don't set it in a decontamination chamber for radiation so that everybody has to be wearing a hood and you can't tell who's right. fighting who. Because for a right. second, I thought one of the mooks threw James Bond into the radioactive pool. I right. had to rewind the fight to be like, oh, no, that was the mook that was the, that attacked James Bond. And James Bond threw right. him into the pool. And then the other guy that walked up that was wearing a white hood and you couldn't tell who he was was Dr. No. <laughs> Just completely wasted. The the actor, the doctor, no actor. By the way, my advice also maybe maybe cast an Asian. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if there were no Asians in nineteen sixty two, but it's a little uh, weird to have a white dude playing that part. But I feel like Doctor No was a great character. Like the actor's really good, and he actually mm-hmm. does really. The dinner scene is a really good menacing dinner scene. He gets wasted, he just gets thrown into a pool of radiation. And by the way, I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't tell what that pool was supposed to be. What is that? Why is there a pool? It's is it radi- radioactive water thing or something. But if it's radioactive know. water, everybody's in the room should be dying, right? I guess they're wearing suits. But why would falling in the water be particularly lethal? Well, even if it wasn't, I mean, just he couldn't. You know, come out because of his hands, right? He 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 couldn't grip with his. Yeah. With, well, no, he had I mean, like some kind was... of crushing ability. With there was some kind of bionics, weren't they? Yeah, but crushes, I think he crushes the glass. 
at the dinner. Yeah, but I, I think that's sort of the, the way they made it look is like for some reason he couldn't use his hands to pull himself out. Another really good example of how they sort of um, nerfed Honey Child or Honey, uh-huh. I guess it's Honey, is when they do yeah. the bamboo when they're hiding in the in the in the forest. Oh yes, the yes, yes. I know. The, it's uh, Sean Connery. Yeah. It's, it's James Bond's idea to use the bamboo, and I'm like, that so was that, one of her best moves so, in the, in the okay. book. And she, so she's the one who comes up with that. Some something that we mentioned in the last episode was the sh- the James Bond rather in the books, like he he was a human, like you know he took you know took suggestions he. Yeah, he needs like a little girl to tell him how to and escape. So, so yeah. in that in that book, she said, uh, uh, "Honey, child, uh, or honey, writer, rather, honey, child, writer, says, honey child writer, says you know, th- this is how to escape from the guys. We should take some reeds and some bamboo reeds, and but in the movie, it's all about him. Like James yep. Bond does everything that she tells him to do. But that's one of those things where." You know, it, it's just a difference between the James Bond in the book versus James Bond in the movie. James Bond in the movie is just has no imperfections. He's, he's right. He knows everything. He can handle yes. every problem. And yes, I think he was he, he's meant as truly escapist male fantasy. Yeah, um, and it's so. not it's not as bad as, you know, there's there's male fantasy of, you know, great big muscle dude. And he's not that bad. There's a little more. Right. He's at least right. like escapist male fantasy for an intelligent man. Yeah, exactly. But still, yeah. it's it's this is the guy who's in charge all the time and answers all yep. the questions. And I had never seen this film, so my biggest surprise, jeez, you know, my you know, I have to say one of my biggest surprises is, is that this film was made on location in Jamaica. Yeah, this is oh, actually what Jamaica looks surprising. like. And yeah. I, I would have thought that they would have filmed this in Florida on the cheap, you know, but they actually went down to Jamaica mm-hmm. and made this movie, and you get to see what a Jamaican mangrove swamp looks like. In a way, right. it's pretty true to the book because the book is kind of like, like we said, like sort of a travel log. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was pretty cool to get a look at because I watched it with Alex and he was like, oh, is that what Jamaica looks like? And I was like, yeah, it is actually. That's that's it. You're looking at it right there. Right. And I guess it it my biggest surprise was how closely it followed the book. You know, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that 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 it didn't include. There's but, differences if you're if you're yeah. paying attention to intimate details, it's different, but it's pre- yeah. it's pretty close for sure. Much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I had never watched Doctor No, and I think part of it is because I was aware of the dragon. Mm. <laughs> the dragon, stupid, right. stupid idea. Yeah, right. stupid, stupid yeah. idea. I get you. Having, yeah. having a tank that drives around the swamp and pretends to be a a dragon, which is in the right. book, by the way. It's it's it is. Yeah, you're right fidelity with the book there but that's just a dumb idea and so i just kind of thought this movie sucked and i never watched it i avoided it <laughs> i just want to get two quick answers favorite bond film what's your favorite bond this yeah, one is this your one. favorite yeah. of yep. all the 26 bond movies is your favorite one it is yep it's because of that controversial part that i mentioned when he shoots the guy he didn't have to shoot the guy but he does <laughs> yeah i i love it i, I love that part we're talking 1964 I love the iconic badass moments of James Bond. Yeah. And that's why that thing I talked about at the beginning of Casino Royale, where he's like, yes, considerably. That's where I was like, I am all on board with this Bond. I don't know why, but that particular part, 
where he says, that's a Smith & Wesson, and you've entered six, and he shoots him. It, there's something about that. You know, it separates him from everybody else because yeah. that had never happened before. And that's why there is controversy. Kind of one-upsmanship. You know, it's like, right? okay, you want to try to kill me? Here you go. The dude, right. the dude it's, tried yeah. to get one up on him, so he puts a bullet in him. Right. Yeah. The woman, the woman tried to have him killed, and he's like, "Okay, and, I'll just have you arrested." And at, at the time, a lot of people were upset about that. To me, that sets the stage. Okay? It's dark. It, it it's it is very dark. It sets the stage for how, like, how are we going to do Jane Fond? This dude's a ruthless freaking murderer. Yeah. Like you said, yeah, he can justify. What he just did. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have shot the professor in that situation after he'd already fired his bullets and I knew he was at my mercy. But it's really only because I don't have a license. <laughs> if I, well, it's all about the license. If somebody has given me a license, yeah. forget about it. I'm plugging that oh, dude. But yeah. are we going to certify this hood classic? What's what are we doing here? You know what? It's all up to you, man. This is this is my my thing. So. I, I I had never seen this one, and I'm a and I'm a Sean Connery man. I've seen Goldfinger a bunch of times. I think From Russia with Love. So by the way, we didn't talk about this, but my favorite Bond film is probably Skyfall. I thought it was terrific, mm. and I thought yeah, Casino Royale was almost as yeah. good. Yeah. And um, I think I would skip over all the Roger Moores in terms of ranking them. Yes. Um, I, I love From Russia With Love. The villain is terrific. I think yes. From Russia With Love is really good. And I've always been a fan of Goldfinger. Again, the, the, the villain is great. And I think Sean Connery is terrific in that movie. I was surprised how much I liked this one. I thought this one was going to be cornball and lame, but I really liked it. And since it's the first film, this is a classic. I mean, I enjoyed it. We, we watched it. Sweet. We liked it. You know, right. my, son, my son was born... Uh, 48 years after the first James Bond film and he dug it. So I feel, I feel like that's a good, that's probably Sweet. worth more than my accreditation is probably worth less than that because kids these yeah. days, you know, these kids, they don't know anything. So <laughs> right. they don't, they don't even understand. And, and... They didn't even understand what a man would do with a license to kill. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like a kid born in 2010 would never run amok and kill people. No, I, I would, I would, yeah, you know, I would do, I would do all kinds of mayhem. Oh, that. just be murder left and right. That's yeah, what I would no. do. But only if only with a license. Well, but the thing is, it wouldn't be murder. It would be I don't know what no, you call it. Be. But... It's not murder. It's not murder because murder is uh, unlawful. Because he have a license. So yeah. we are we are certifying Doctor No. Yeah. The film certifying Doctor No. I actually was surprised that I would recommend it to everybody to go ahead and watch it. It's a pretty good one, and especially because it's the first one. You got to give something credit for being the first. I'm going to go ahead and sign off. I'm going to say peace out to everybody who's been listening to Toasting the Classics. Same here. And thank you, everyone. And uh, talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. That's it for Episode 82 of Toasting the Classics. For those playing along at home, get some Anjou wine for our guest episode on the Three Musketeers. If you'd like to get in touch, please send us an email at toastingtheclassics at gmail.com. Send us show ideas, comments, complaints, and your requests for a signed photo of Clint in his Zardoz loincloth. They're going fast. Check out my blog at theattractivenuisance.com and follow us on Twitter at @attractivenuisance. Our music was written by Michelle MacArthur. See you next time on Toasting the Classics. I do not look like Ed Sheeran. I didn't say you did.